Chapter 68. Blanket. I have given no small attention to that not unvexed subject, the skin of the whale. I have no controversies about it with experienced whalemen afloat and learned naturalists ashore. My original opinion remains unchanged, but it is only an opinion. The question is, what and where is the skin of the whale? Already you know that his blubber is. The blubber is something of the consistence of firm, close-grained beef, but tougher, more elastic and compact, and ranges from 8 to 10 to 12 and 15 inches in thickness. Now, however, preposterous it may at first seem to talk of any creature's skin as being of that sort of consistence and thickness, yet in point of fact, there are no arguments against any such presumption, because you cannot raise any other dense enveloping layer from the whale's body but that same blubber, and the outermost enveloping layer of any animal, if reasonably dense, what can that be but the skin? True, from the unmarred dead body of the whale, you may scrape off with your hand an infinitely thin, transparent substance, somewhat resembling the thinnest shred of inglis. Only it is almost as flexible and soft as satin, that is, previous to being dried. When it only contracts and thickens, but becomes rather hard and brittle, I have several such dried bits which I use for marks in my whale books. It is transparent, as I said before, and being laid upon the printed page, I have sometimes pleased myself with fancying it exerting a magnifying influence. At any rate, it is pleasant to read about the whale through their own spectacles, as you may say. But what I am driving at here is this. That infinitely thin, insinglass substance, which, I admit, invests the entire body of the whale, is not so much to be regarded as the skin of the creature as the skin of the skin, so to speak, for it were simply ridiculous to say that the proper skin of the tremendous whale is thinner and more tender than the skin of a newborn child. But no more of this. Assuming the blubber to be the skin of the whale, then, when the skin, as the case of a very large sperm whale, will yield the bulk of 100 barrels of oil, and, when it is considered that, in quantity, or rather weight, that oil, in its expressed state, is only three-fourths, and not the entire substance of the coat, some idea may hence be had of the enormousness of that animated mass, a mere part of whose mere integument yields such a lake of liquid as that, Reckoning ten barrels to the ton, you have ten tons for net weight of only three-quarters of the stuff of the whale's skin. In life, the visible surface of the sperm whale is not the least among the many marvels he presents. Almost invariably, it is all over obliquely crossed and recrossed with numberless straight marks in thick array, something like those in the finest Italian line engravings. But these marks do not seem to be impressed upon the isinglass substance above mentioned, but seem to be seen through it, as if they were engraved upon the body itself. In some instances, to the quick observant eye, whose linear marks, as in veritable engravings, but afford the ground for far other delineations. These are hieroglyphical, that is, if you call those mysterious ciphers on the walls of pyramids hieroglyphs, then that is the proper word to use in the present connection. But my retentive memory of the hieroglyphics upon one sperm whale in particular, I was much struck by the plate representing the old Indian characters chiseled on the famous hieroglyphic palisades on the banks of the upper Mississippi. Like those mystic rocks too, the mystic marked whale remains undecipherable. 
This allusion to the Indian rocks reminds me of another thing. Besides all those other phenomena which the exterior of the sperm whale presents, he does not seldom display the back, and more especially his flanks, effaced in great part of the regular linear appearances, by reason of numerous rude scratches along of an irregular random aspect. I should say that those New England rocks on the seacoast, which Agassi imagines to bear the marks of violent scrapings, contact with the floating icebergs, I should say that those rocks must not little resemble the sperm whale in this particular. It also seems to me that such scratches in the whale are probably made by hostile contact with other whales, for I have most remarked them in the large, full-grown bull of the species. A word or two more concerning this matter of the skin or blubber of the whale. It has already been said that it is scripped from him in long pieces, called blanket pieces. Like most sea terms, this one is very happy and significant. For the whale, indeed wrapped up in blubber as in a real blanket or counterplane, or, still better, an Indian poncho slipped over his head and skirting his extremity. It is by reason of this cozy blanketing of the body that the whale is enabled to keep himself comfortable in all weathers, in all seas, times, and tides. What would become of the Greenland whale, say, in those shuddering icy seas of the north, if unsupplied with his cozy surtout? True, other fish are found exceedingly brisk in those hyperborean waters, but these, be it observed, are your cold-blooded, lungless fish, whose very bellies are refrigerators creatures that warm themselves under the lee of an iceberg, as a traveler in winter would bask before an inn fire, whereas, like man, the whale has lungs and warm blood, freeze his blood and he dies. How wonderful it is, then, except that explanation, that this great monster, to whom corporeal warmth is an indispensable as it is to man, how wonderful that he should be found at home, immersed to his lips for life in those arctic waters, where, when seamen fall overboard, they are sometimes found months afterwards, perpendicularly frozen in the hearts of fields of ice, as a fly is found glued in amber. But more surprisingly it is to know, as has been proved by experiment, that the blood of a polar bear is warmer than the Borneo Negro in summer. It does seem to me that herein we see the rare virtue of a strong individual vitality, and a rare virtue of thick walls, and the rare virtue of interior spaciousness. O oh man, admire and model thyself after the whale. Do thou, too, remain warm among ice. Do thou, too, live in this world without being of it. Be cool at the equator, keep thy blood fluid at the poles. Like the great dome of St. Peter's, and like the great whale, retain, O man, in some season a temperature of thy own. But how easy and how hopeless to teach these fine things. Of erections, how few are domed like St. Peter's. Of creatures, how few vast as the whale. Thanks for listening to Moby Dick Pod. If you've liked what you've heard so far, consider subscribing or leaving us a rating on Apple Podcast. And as always, thanks for listening.